Hey, this is Allison. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Underwithheld, the podcast by accountants and for accountants, where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone. This first episode will, by necessity, have just this one accountant. I'm going to talk about our industry's close and personal friend, imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? Why might it be so prevalent among accountants and other professionals? I'll even share with you some tools I use to help me work through my own imposter syndrome. In case it needs to be said, I'm not a therapist. I'm not offering therapy. I also may say things that just don't resonate with you, and if so, that is totally cool. There's nothing prescriptive here. It's just me talking about an issue that I see as huge in our industry, and I hope talking about it and sharing how I approach it will help someone else. If something sounds helpful to you here, cool. If not, just ignore it. Welcome to the show. What is imposter syndrome? It's feeling like a fraud. It's feeling not good enough. As if you are less than, as if you don't belong, as if you're not worthy. Imposter syndrome is feeling as if your accomplishments are insufficient. If imposter syndrome had a voice, it might sound like someone else should be presenting this, not me. I don't know enough to be talking about this. I don't deserve this promotion. I'm not working hard enough. That person is so much smarter than I am. They know so much more than I do. I wonder how many of us are moving through life feeling like we're not good enough. Society often tells us we don't belong. Culture often tells us we don't belong. Laws often tell us we don't belong. Sadly, some of our closest relationships are telling us we are less than. To me, it's no wonder that we then turn around and we tell this to ourselves. We do it so much, I wonder if we even know we're doing it when we're doing it. Feeling inadequate isn't unique to the accounting profession, although I do see some aspects to our industry that come together to make it a perfect breeding ground for imposter syndrome. In public accounting, at least, we're often encouraged to be perfectionists. For those already that way, this is the perfect professional home. For those who aren't naturally this way, they may leave before they've had a chance to explore other options within the profession. Somewhat related to this, is that we're taught to be skeptics. As professionals, we are taught to assume there's something wrong with everything we look at. Our client situation needs a deeper dive. The data they've provided isn't correct. Draft deliverables from a staff must have errors. Our own work product must be scrutinized for faulty logic. I could go on. To be clear, there is a line between healthy skepticism of inputs or outputs versus finding fault with the individuals involved. We can actually look at our work product with healthy skepticism, find a mistake, and say, the tax return I prepared has an error without saying I am an error. But that difference isn't something our industry teaches us. If your experience has been anything like mine, you found those two things are often inappropriately correlated. And I guess lastly is we're often so competitive. We are competitive with other professionals outside of our firms. We are competitive within our firms even. 
More and more, I find myself among peers who choose collaboration over competitive competitiveness. However, the competition mindset is still here in the, the very foundations of the accounting industry, as it's how many of us, including me, that are currently practicing grew up in the profession. With this atmosphere of competition, what we're expecting is that when we put ourselves out there, we're going to be verbally attacked. And sadly, often we're right. I've seen it, I've experienced it. I do want to share some anti-imposter syndrome tools with you, but but first some thoughts on what this does to us as individuals and as professionals. If imposter syndrome were a tree, it would have deep, strong roots, and its fruit would be rotten, and we would eat it all the same. Feeling like we're not worthy, like our accomplishments aren't good enough, it's so draining. It's exhausting. It consumes emotional energy that could be used for greater purposes. It robs us of enthusiasm for things we are passionate about. It keeps us frozen. It keeps us small. Our family, our friends, our colleagues, our clients, they don't want us to be frozen or small. The people that we care about need us. They need us to show up for them counterintuitively, even when they're the ones who are the contributing factors, they still need for us to be big. For me professionally, my lowest points with imposter syndrome have been not doing more to talk clients out of bad deals, thinking maybe I just wasn't quite smart enough to know what they were getting into. On a personal side, my lowest point was many years ago not showing up for someone because I was too busy trying to not be noticed and not be verbally attacked. That person isn't here anymore, and I often wonder if things might have been different if I had chosen to be big for them rather than stay small for the sake of my ego. Antidotes for imposter syndrome include empathy, kindness, understanding, and grace. These are all easier said than done. I haven't found just wishing myself to be more understanding of my errors to help me move past self-doubt. Pep talks like, you got this, it could have been worse. (laughs) That has never helped me with any of my insecurities either. What has helped me is not necessarily trying to feel differently, but instead do things differently and then let that change in feeling appear on its own time. First the doing, then the feeling. And that doing over time, I found that I feel less and less like an imposter who's not good enough and has earned the right to be wherever, and more and more like I'm good on my path and that I belong. We'll take a quick break and I'll talk more about that. Here are just a few of the things I do that have helped me get where I am and I think will continue to help me get wherever I'm headed. Like I said earlier, if you find something useful here that you want to give a try, awesome. If not, it's just a podcast and you can just ignore it. I'm not trying to correct or fix anyone, only sharing for maybe just that one person who finds something valuable in all this. For those of us who experience it, Imposter syndrome is rooted so deeply and likely baked in with so much other mental and emotional baggage that it would be a Pollyanna oversimplification to say, here, do this and you'll be fine. So no fixes here, 
just some ideas that have helped me and might help someone listening. All right, so the first one is my favorite. It's a praise folder. Years ago, a colleague of mine shared with me that he kept a folder filled with times when a manager or partner or client would say how much they appreciated him, kudos for a job well done, etc. He used it as a raised negotiating tool, which I thought was pretty clever. I started doing the same. My praise folder goes back years. Not necessarily every time, but often when I get a note of thanks, I'll stick it in the praise folder and then look back at it when I'm having a down day. It's really hard to feel not good enough when I see how much something I did meant to someone. If this idea resonates with you, start your own praise folder and let me know how it goes. The second tool that I use, um, this is a bonus tool, but I'm going to give it to you up front. Give someone something to put in their praise folder. When you say thank you to someone in a way that is honest, warm, and specific to the situation, and they receive it in the way you intended, you're showing up for them. You're connecting with them. Imposter syndrome cannot thrive in connection. I know I don't know you, and I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know this. There is someone that you could connect in this way with right now. If you're able, give them something to put in their praise folder. The third tool I'll share with you, and yes, this is one I actually do, is turn your to-do list into a to-da list. We're accountants. We love lists. We love checking things off our lists. So when you check those things off, don't get rid of them. Move them to your to-da list. Certainly, this is a practical thing to do so that you don't find yourself again trying to do something you've already done. But for our purposes regarding imposter syndrome, it also gives you a clear, objective look at your accomplishments. And if you already have a to-do list, check it out if it's been a while. All right, last two tools, they're similar. They involve word choice, saying something differently than you might ordinarily. So try this first word replacement. Find ways you can replace the word should with the word could. So we often see options as binary and mutually exclusive. Simply changing the word should with the word could opens you up to bigger thinking. Let me give you a low stakes example. I should do this podcast versus I could do this podcast. Let's say I tell myself I should do this podcast. Now imagine how I might feel when what actually happens is that I don't make a podcast. I might feel like I haven't lived up to my own expectations, that I can't meet goals, that I'm a failure. But instead, if I say I could do this podcast, that feels more like opening a door of possibilities. Yeah, I could do this podcast, but I could also start a YouTube channel. I could also read a book. I could also just go to bed early. And then I've opened myself up to analyze the pros and cons of various options rather than setting myself up to feel bad if I later decide a podcast isn't for me. If this word choice replacement thing sounds as radical to you as it did to me when I first started doing it, go slowly. And the second word replacement, this is the last tool I'll share with you, is consider replacing the phrase, I'm sorry, with excuse me. Have you truly wronged someone? If yes, then apologize. If instead you're interrupting them, consider saying excuse me rather than I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, both puts you in a position of inferiority and devalues your contribution before you've even gotten to the meat of your sentence. If someone interrupted your conversation to tell you you've won the lottery, would it not be odd for them to start, I'm sorry, but... I wonder, too, if it doesn't do something to our self-esteem to consistently hear ourselves say, I'm sorry, when we haven't done anything hurtful. It may be polite to say, excuse me, when interrupting someone or something, but consider reserving, I'm sorry, for when you've actually caused injury. That's a wrap, my friends. Reach out. Let me know what you think. I appreciate you listening in to this first episode of Under With Help, the podcast by accountants and for accountants where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone.